0: hey guys welcome to another great episode of the vineyard nordic podcast my name is Yoon. the vineyard nordic podcast is the best way to stay up to date with the latest news and inspiring stories relating to how god is at work in the vineyard nordic community
1: We like to say that just think about Paul and when he was Saul and sometimes those men in the Bible can feel like superheroes. They're so far away from us and so you're never disqualified no matter what has happened to you, no matter how late you were to the game. God can use anybody, even if you're like, but you don't know what I did on Thursday. No, I don't. But do you love Jesus and do you believe that there's power in his name and do you have the courage to put your hand on a shoulder and say, come Holy Spirit in Jesus name, heal this person. Like it can be done. So try it, try it. Oh, and then try it again.
0: We recorded this episode back in July 2022 during our Vineyard Nordic summer camp with one of our main guests, Annabeth Morgan. Annabeth is one of the leaders for vineyard worship in the u.s and she's also pastoring church back in denver colorado in this episode we talk a lot about her own stories from her upbringing but also leading into worship and prayer and being a worship leader but how everything start off with intimacy with god and she also shares some incredible stories where god has really been showing up in her own life so i hope this episode will inspire you and let's go So, very welcome again to this episode of the Vinja Nordic podcast. We're back again in season two. And today we're actually doing a live recording here at Summer Camp in Sweden, in Mullsjö. And we have a friend to us all the way from Denver, Colorado, in the US, Annabeth. So good having you here.
1: Thank you. It's so good to be here.
0: Yeah. H- how do you like it so far? Oh being my gosh. In Sweden?
1: Can I say, it's very green. We don't have this much greenery in Denver. It's very... Uh, desert climate and rugged mountains and so my kids just keep looking at the trees and going there's trees and water everywhere
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's really that part of sweden where you have all this forest and lakes everywhere like where i live it's a little bit more uh, open landscape if you would say so how are you doing like it's really warm today we just talked about that the heat is getting coming back
1: it's fine. This isn't quite as hot as the States, but we uh, have this bad problem of blasting air conditioning that's unbearable. You have yeah. to have a sweater. And so it's fine, but it's definitely getting warmer. And tomorrow yeah. it's supposed to be... Yeah, like mm, 32 degrees Celsius. E- even 33, I think. Yeah, 33. Maybe. Yeah, Oof. we have to be at the la- in the Oof. lake. Oof. I'm going to be <laughs> in the lake.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> how would you describe your yourself with three words for people who doesn't know you?
1: Well, I'm going to say what my friends would say about me. They'd say, she's really outgoing. She's prophetic, which is funny to say that. And uh, she's musical. Those three things. Musical. Yeah.
0: Have music always been something that's been with you?
1: I've always sang like as a little kiddo, but no, I didn't start doing music until I was finishing college. Okay. So I was late to the music game. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And now that's what you do. It's all almost. that I do, I feel like, <laughs> <Yeah>. sometimes. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, I mean, uh, tell us a little bit who you are and what you're doing right now.
1: Yeah, so again, Annabeth, and my last name is Morgan. I'm married to Kyle. I have two kids. And we live in Denver, Colorado, in the States. And I am the overseeing worship pastor for the Mile High Vineyard network of neighborhood churches. And all that means is basically we plant neighborhood churches all throughout the Denver metropolitan area. And I oversee the leaders of those churches in worship. And then I do go to one, it's called Arvada Vineyard. It was the original planted church. My pastor's name is Jay Pathak and he's the national director in the, in the United States for the vineyard. And so, yeah, I do that, but I'm a mom, you know, so I have a lot of jobs. I do a lot of things. Yeah. Very full life.
0: How do you keep up with everything?
1: Yeah. Google Calendar is very helpful. (laughs) And I don't know. You know what? That's not true. I do know. Um, I had to implement rhythms in my life because life was very overwhelming. I've always run hard and been very extroverted and said yes to too many things. And so I just learned how to rhythm my life a little bit. Go by a schedule, communicate well, and stick to your yeses and don't say yes to everything. So... Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's the hardest part to not say yes to everything.
1: Oh, because it's all great. Yeah. It all seems like the great yeah. thing. And
0: there's a lot of good things to do in FOMO, life.
1: FOMO, you know, yeah. fear of missing out. I have a huge case of FOMO. Yeah. But my husband has kind of reined that in. My husband's an introvert and very like, one thing, honey not 12, you know? So it's a really good balance for me. But tell
0: me a little bit about your network church and how does that look? How do you do that?
1: Yeah. So instead of, there's a lot of models of churches. So, you know, there's the multi-site model where you have the mega church that like simulcast worship on screen or not worship, but like teachings on screens. And then usually you have live worship, but we really felt like God was speaking. Jay for sure felt like God was speaking about just resourcing church planters. So creating a network that they could be a part of that help them keep their church plant going, but still they would be their own church plants. So the four neighborhood churches at Mile High Vineyard, Arvada Vineyard, Lakewood Vineyard, Northwest Vineyard, East Denver Vineyard, they're all geographically located and it's the parish church model. It's really like, hey, your church should sit in your area of the city and your neighborhood should come to you instead of driving 30 minutes across the other side of this, the city. And so we do neighborhood churches. And I, again, I'm at one church right now, a leading worship, but each of those churches have a worship pastor or worship coordinator. And each of those churches have their own lead pastor that preaches. So there's no like technology and screens. Jay isn't preaching on a screen. I'm not, you know, leading worship from a screen or anything like that. So they Actually, most of those people that go to the churches aren't always aware that they're a part of Mile High Vineyard. They really do just buy in like, I go to Northwest Vineyard. That's my church, you know, which we like. We like that a lot. Yeah. I so, really
0: like that way also to not just, you know, travel somewhere far and you're not connected anything to yes. the local perspective there. Yes. So that sounds really good. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Um, I, I do have some short questions here. We always have these in the podcast. I switch them around. But if I start with one question for you, since you're here all the way from U.S., what's the best thing with Denver, Colorado, if you want to advertise for people to go there?
1: I mean, I don't even have to work hard to advertise. (laughs) Most people know it as the place where the Rocky Mountains are. So we have, like, all the skiing and things you can handle in the winter. And then in the summer, it's really beautiful and some of the best hiking and... We have things called 14. So I'm in the wrong metric system, but it's 14,000 feet of elevation. Oh, wow. Yeah. So way above tree line, very little oxygen. And there are people that love to hike to those levels. And so you can literally check off the 14ers. It's like a go do every 14er in Colorado. So lots of outdoors. That's what Denver's known for. People vacate. It's a very big vacation spot for folks.
0: And do you have some specific. Favorite thing you would recommend?
1: I think my favorite thing, it is just being able to like drive five minutes and be in the very foothills and already in terrain that's just unlike anything else. I mean, there's just mountains staring at you, you know. So I like hiking. I'm not like needing to do 14ers though. I've done a few and they're very hard like you feel like you're walking on the moon at certain points you know you can't breathe in slow motion (laughs) (laughs) so yeah what is one thing that not
0: many people know about you you Mm. have a hidden talent or something
1: okay so i have a couple most people wouldn't know that i'm an athlete first i didn't do so before music it was all sports so i grew up playing soccer sorry football in your countries and so most people don't know me that they know me as a musician first. And then this is the funniest one. It's funny because it's not a video podcast, but I have two different thumbs. So one thumb, it looks like two different human beings on one body. Yeah. I have, they, you can attestify. Yeah, Go does. ahead, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They it look does. very different, right? Yeah. So in the States, we say you give that movie two thumbs up. You know, so I give the movies one and a half thumbs up because my one of my thumbs is no, like That's tiny. harsh on
0: you. It's yeah. teeny
1: tiny. It's teeny tiny. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that, that weird?
0: Yeah, that's always something. We should put up a picture on this movie. Yeah. No.
1: I'll, I'll text you a photo after yeah. this. You can show it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs>
0: so, so what is your definition of leadership?
1: Unfortunately, I think uh, leadership just means you turn around and there's people following you, which means you can have lots of different versions. There's good and bad leaders, but it's... The, the good version is, is if you're willing to give your life away where someone wants to come and follow you at all or glean from you, then I think you're a leader. If there's just, if you turn around and there's no one following you, then you're not a leader. There's no one that you're leading. You have to have people, you have to have followers to be a leader. So that's what I'd say simply.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the last one, what are you dreaming of right now?
1: Yeah, I just took a sabbatical last summer. So about a yeah a year ago, uh, we get three months To sabbatical. And uh, it's not because you're in crisis, it's to make it where you don't have to go into like burnout in ministry. And on my sabbatical, the Lord talked to me about training uh, worship leaders and about songwriting retreats. And so I'm dreaming about being more formal in those. We just did one in May and wrote 11 songs. And I know how to get songs recorded, but just how to actually train people to do this in their local context and not always be... Come and be bottlenecked in Denver with Annabeth Morgan, but how do you have this sort of live training in the local context? Anybody can train somebody. How do I actually convince people that they all have something worth giving away? So I'm dreaming about training and leadership in the vineyard. If I'm honest, that sounds and really outside new. the vineyard. Yeah. But yeah, and
0: that's so lovely to have you here as well to give us some input this week mm. during the vineyard Nordic Summer Camp.
1: Thank you. Yeah,
0: to get to know you a little bit more, we usually have this part in the podcast where we ask the guests to share some stories from your own life that like, have shaped who you are today and like, what were the turning points in those situations and mm-hmm. what would those be in your life? What have you been through?
1: Um, so I'll start real early. When I was a little girl, I grew up in the South, in the deep South, in Memphis, Tennessee. And when I came to know Jesus when I was not quite seven years old, which is really young. And a lot of times that story you think like, You just got baptized because everybody else did and it didn't mean anything, but it meant something for me. And so the best way to describe it is that my childhood was very tumultuous as a kid. And at the time I was having some abuse from a neighbor and no one in my family knew. And it was it was very bad. And so I think it was God's protection and rescue Of me to in the middle of that. I just remember I was playing Barbies in my bedroom and the room felt really warm. And I my parents took me to church. I grew up going to a church, but I just all of a sudden the best way to describe it is it was like there's this presence here that wants to love me well and it feels safe, which safety was a huge deal for an abused kid. And so I just said, I started crying, came out of my room and my mom, because I have four brothers, she thought one of my brothers had hurt me. She's like, <laughs> boys, what did you do to your sister? And I was like, no, no, they didn't do anything. And she's like, why are you crying? And I said, this warm presence just came in my room and I felt really loved. And I think it was Jesus. And and so my mom, being a good a good Christian woman, said, uh, let's pray. And you can ask Jesus into your heart if that's what you think's happening. And I did. And then a couple weeks later, I walked down front to the... I have decided to follow Jesus sort of song, right? And then they took you away from your parents to question you in the closet. Like, is it real or not? And I was so scared, but I gave my life to Jesus. I guess I said the right answers (laughs) and then I got baptized and it was really beautiful because I, again, it didn't get like less tumultuous in my childhood from there. It just was really lots of trauma and chaos growing up. And so I was really grateful to have Jesus though, to always turn to in that. So that'd be my first like real turning point for me. Mm -hmm. Another one, if you skip forward in my life to college, I was an athlete growing up, played football, I said, and had no music background or anything. And I went to a camp to serve youth kids, uh, to teach them how to play football and actually to teach them to water ski. And so I would have alone time with the Lord for one hour a day where the kids weren't around and I was in the shower singing and I had this moment where I wasn't charismatic. So I didn't know God spoke other than this moment. I felt like this voice said, I've given you a voice to sing with and you won't sing in front of anybody. And I, I was like, Oh, and I didn't really know what was going on, and basically like within the next few weeks, I would go to open my mouth to sing and nothing would come out, but I could still talk to you. So like la 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 la, but then like I couldn't do that, but then I could talk to you, and I started to miss just singing in my car by myself, singing in the shower, you know, times that I was really scared to sing in front of people. And my who's now my husband, we were dating back then, and I told him this is the weirdest thing and he said, "Well, have you prayed about it?" And I'm like oh no, I just thought there was something wrong physically. And he was like, you should pray and see if God's trying to show you something. And I remember thinking, I don't understand that. I know the Bible, you know, but I don't know God's showing me things. But it started this journey where I remember telling the Lord, I'll sing in front of people if you present an opportunity, but no one knows I sing. They all know I play sports, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. A week later, this guy walks up and says, hey, I don't know if you believe this way, but I was praying and God laid you on my heart and I wanted to see if you'd try out for the Baptist Student Union University's uh, worship team. And I was like, oh no.
0: Did he say that he felt that in a specific way? He just
1: said the Lord laid me on his heart. Uh, And uh. thank goodness he didn't use super charismatic language because I probably would have been like, I'm out. That's weird at the time, but he didn't. He just said, God laid you on my heart. And that made sense to me. And so actually, do you know, nine 11 that happened in the States that day, um, I had my first tryout for worship that night. And uh, I remember being so nervous, but then I also remember that day being so scary. And I walked into the little building for this ministry at college and everyone's crying and they've lit candles and they're like, hello. And they're like, are you here for the prayer vigil? And I was like, I'm actually here to try out for your worship team. And is that still happening? And the guy saw me from the corner and waved and he waved me over and he's like, we're not really doing tryouts, but do you just want to stay and like worship with us? And y'all, I didn't actually have to have that like Simon Cowell version of trying out for something. I just got to sit on the ground and worship with these people. And then I made the worship team for the first time. And that's when... uh, So sweet moment to have
0: the first experience from.
1: Yes, because I was terrified. Like Mm -hmm. I vomited before I went, you know, like real stage fright. And so that kind of opened me up to this idea that I was made to worship, not like in life in general, but for the people actually leading them. And so that was a really big turning point for me because I loved it so much that I was going to get my degree. And uh, I did. I ended up getting my physical therapy, uh, like a biological sciences degree. And then just told my husband, I don't think I can study this. I love the church too much. I want to do church ministry. And he was like, Oh, okay. You know? And then it just led me down this path that today I'm here doing this for your countries, right? That's so good. Yeah,
0: You shared, it's good to hear like you often, maybe we grow up, we have some gifts and it's natural to be, you know, called into those gifts. But this was Really, I mean, it was a gift you had, obviously, but it wasn't something you thought about no. or other people thought about. That's really interesting to see how God can use that as well. Yes, and, and you then- don't
1: have to do it like from age five. Especially music, yeah. it's like she sings and she's only five years old. It was for me. It was I'm twenty two years old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was later in life, yeah. and so that would be another big, I think, turning point moment. And then my last one would be just. You know, we all have things I told you, my childhood was tumultuous. And so those things take a toll on you over time, even if you don't think they do, even if you come into life with Jesus, there's just things, uh, from trauma and just emotional health that we don't really learn in our culture. And it's not obvious when we read the scripture, this is what it looks like to be good, a peaceful presence. This is what it looks like to not be anxious. You know, the Lord says, don't be anxious, but it's not like, and here's what it looks like, Right. And so when I moved to Denver 11 years ago, so back in 2011, does that sound right? Yep. yep. 2011, I got invited to be on staff at Mile High Vineyard, and they value this peaceful non-anxious way of living emotional health type of thing
0: did you come from another vineyard before i did i did did?
1: i was in houston working for vineyard worship and was at burt wagner's church which is called sugarland vineyard and at the time he was the national director it's kind of funny i didn't make that connection for a little (laughs) bit but i end up in denver and i was going out of town i was on an airplane this sounds negative, but on the plane, my husband's dead asleep. We don't have kids yet. We're going to take a vacation to Southern California. And I start feeling like a panic attack sort of sensation. The way I can describe it is if I could have like clawed my way through the window of the airplane, I would have, because I was oh, having a really hard time breathing and I, was, oh, and I couldn't figure out what's happening. And so I got off the flight and the first intuitive thing that I did, which now I know is the Lord, is I reached out to Danielle Pathak, Jay's wife. And I said, I don't know what's just happened, but I felt panicky on this airplane and I have so much stuff that's churning on the inside of me that I don't talk about. And I just think I can't do it anymore. Like if I don't deal with this, then it's going to, It's going to take me out. I just feel so anxious. And she was like, hey, let's talk when you get back. And I got back and it set me on this journey of going to counseling, doing, it's called EMDR. It's a version of trauma therapy. But then it led me into this more discipleship model called Emotionally Focused around tools, like literal tools where you don't just talk about yourself and your problems, but you have tools on how to show up in anxiety because anxiety is everywhere. And it's not like that person's anxious and that person's not, it's who has tools to deal with the anxieties and who has enough awareness of how it shows up in their lives to live in peace. And so that has probably, if I'm honest with you today, served me the most with my marriage, with my children, with being a ministry leader, you know, just, it's just so beautiful to have tools to go. It's not if you get anxious, it's when, how you're going to show up and not let it overtake you. Cause we live in a very anxious culture. Right. And the last thing I want to do is just start getting on medications. Right. And so it's been very, very helpful because with the amount of trauma I had as a kid, I think I wouldn't have, I just think I I don't even know if I would have stayed in the church or close to Jesus. I probably would have disintegrated.
0: Yeah. I think it's so important. I mean, what you speak about like how do we deal when things come up we also had this talk and i have a friend we talked about this when you're around people for Mm. a long time or you know you're working close Mm. or like now with the camp with our main leaders like we had this gathering before like really asking like what's your expectations for this week (laughs) when you're dealing with the things you're dealing with how can we be able to support how Mm. should we be around you what can you say so we know that okay now you need space or whatever mm-hmm. i think that's so important also in a, for the group dynamic mm-hmm. to to do that because we don't often do that it's often like oh it's my private thing and yes. i don't want to show it but yes you still show it but you, yeah even if you don't want to show it people see that it's something and, yes and it can help so much for yourself to so yeah, much to so find those tools so it's yeah. really good but yeah, so thank you so much for the stories. And I mean, uh, yeah, it's good to, to get to know you a little bit more. And today you're doing the worship in the U.S. and your church and mm-hmm. recording a lot. And that's also a little bit what we wanted to talk about today, like mm-hmm. around worship and prayer. Like, how has that shaped your life and like mm-hmm. the way you live your life today around mm-hmm. worship and prayer?
1: Yeah. I mean, is it too cheesy to say it's? Every- it feels like it's everything? Yeah. I, I, It's not like I'm holy and I never am human, but... I think worship is the biggest, okay, musical worship, because that worship is your whole life and how you you know live for the Lord. So it can be money and it can be time and all that. But musical worship is the largest vehicle for me personally in connecting with God. Like if I couldn't sing a note, I still would want to listen. I'm a nerd. I'd want to listen to the music and I can feel, I'm a feeler. And so just the way music comes on and immediately like you get goosebumps, your body, your whole body responds. It's like it was meant to do it. Right. And, um, so it shaped my life for specifically musical worship in that it's a big way that I still connect with the Lord. So one of my biggest pet peeves is when worship people are like, oh, I don't listen to worship music much. It's so boring. Or it's, you know, I just really like this you know rock album or this country album or, and there's nothing wrong, right? Like I, I can't tell you how many, how much music I listen to that's not Christian, but It's a little concerning because so much of what I do in front of you guys, when you see me leading worship or what I do on a Sunday is based in my own personal worship in the days you're not seeing me and God's, you know, invitations through songs that will come on my earbuds when I'm running. So we're singing a song right now called rain above it all. And it's because Last Christmas, there was a lot of division happening in my family, and I was home for Christmas and I was running just to get away from it. And I was like, Lord, would you just speak to me? I need some, like, hearing, I need to hear from you, I need to be encouraged, I need some inspiration, you know, just all that. And that song came on and it moved me while I was running. And it's so simple, you know, you reign above it all, you reign above it all, right? And then it hit me so hard that then I was like, I'm going to listen to that again. And then all of a sudden, I started to think, My church needs to sing this, right? So it's even forming how I lead worship just by spending time with God with it. And then prayer, worship and prayer just feel like for me, it's like salt and pepper, they go together, or peanut butter and chocolate. I love Reese's, they go together really well. And worship and prayer, because it's talking to God, it feels like music to me with worship are just singing your prayers. So when we sing, you know, come Holy Spirit, like that's something I would pray to God. I would just say, hey, come Holy Spirit, right? And so we set music to it and then it becomes worship. And so those two things I don't talk about a lot of times worship without talking about prayer because I see they just blend so well together. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: How was like worship and pray for you when growing up? And you said like you, you took an early step toward Jesus. How did that form you? It was already in the early yeah, years. Yeah,
1: it did. I would sit um, with, when I was really, really little, there's these things called cassette tapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually and, uh, had those Okay, well. okay, good. I'm like, how old are you? And so yeah. um, I'm not that old, y'all. I'm not that old. No, and so I would listen to... Not super contemporary worship because my family, we were in a more traditional type of church, but my mom loved like this old late older lady singer named Sandy Patty and a guy named Steve green. And I would listen to their cassette tapes and just sit and sing to them as a little girl just for like an hour and a half by myself. I just loved it. So I think I was already stirring worship in me, even though if you fast forward years, I didn't spend any time with music, like trying to learn anything or, you know, singing, And then the prayer part, it wasn't like that growing up. Prayer was something that was like a more of a vending machine God. It was like you take your needs to Him and you say, Hey, God, I need this. You know, A7, drop the camera. I already have my
0: plans. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And just fix them now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And uh, it wasn't until I came into the vineyard in my 20s that prayer became like you shut up and listen for God's voice you, I should say quiet yourself, not shut up, but you know, you quiet yourself because he's speaking and you want his heart for a person and you want his heart for you. And then you bring your request and say the things you need, but you also like enter into worship through Thanksgiving and you, there's a lot of parts to prayer. Um, and the vineyard has a prayer model on how to pray for people. That's involves keeping your eyes open. Like I was raised, you keep your eyes closed and if you open them at all the god doesn't hear your prayers <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you know yeah, yeah.
1: so yeah
0: yeah i really like that too and speaking about that what would you say were those things that stood out the most from coming from more traditional background into the vineyard when it comes to like worship and prayer life
1: i mean for sure the way they prayed like this thing in this service called ministry time that i th- hope every vineyard church still has you know that thing where i grew up like you'd sing some songs you would hear a message and you'd go home. And maybe sometimes, sometimes they'd have baptism and communion maybe, but that was it. And it was so interesting to walk into a vineyard church first off and walk in the building and feel all the fills. I don't know how to describe that to you, but I would walk, it was in Kansas city, Missouri was the first vineyard I ever walked into. My husband was in med school there and we walked into the church and I just remember it was like it it felt palpable. It felt tangible. It felt like now I would say it was God's presence. But then I was just like, do you feel that? You know? Mm -hmm. And my husband's like, I'm not sure, but he's not wired the way I am. Then I walk into the service. They're doing the worship style that now I know how to lead. And I cried through the whole thing. My husband's like, we've been married two weeks. He's like, are you okay? You know, thinks I'm losing my mind. I'm like, did you not feel that? He's like, uh, no, no. And then, uh, and then from there, there was a sermon and then it was like, in light of what we've been talking about, here's God's invitation to us. Why don't you come forward? And we want to lay a hand on you and pray for you. What You know, and I never went down front in that church. I watched it, never went down front. Then we moved to Columbus, Ohio for more of my husband's studies. And there's a huge vineyard church there. And we went to it and this girl who I like knew from a friend, literally in a service walked by me and grabbed my arm and said, come down front and pray with me with people. And I didn't have enough guts to tell her I've never prayed for anybody. (laughs) Like, what has she done? So I just ended up down front watching her do it. And man, I mean, I talked about feeling it from the chairs, but when I was down front in it, and then I started to feel like I was getting God's heart for the person. And then I started to feel overwhelmed with God's presence. And then I never didn't want to not pray for somebody again, you know, and it like imprinted on me. It was so different than any version of prayer I'd ever seen or experienced in my life. And so again, I think it's probably one of the main things that like kept us continuing to seek out vineyard churches in different cities we had to move to for jobs was because we were like, we can't go to church anymore and not have a ministry time and not pray for people and not get prayer. Like, I don't want to hear a sermon and just be like, hope you live a good life on Monday, you know? And so...
0: Yeah, I think that's what I really like with the vineyard as well, like having this different, you know, each part has their own role in the service and in the meetings and also like really this natural way of praying for people. It's like... We're not having a special feeling or a way. It's more like, yeah, you can open your eyes. We pray and then we ask God to come and if you do something and, you know, he does. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we can go on. It's having this expectancy, but not just forcing something to happen. Yes,
1: there's no hype. No. It's not like, come on, church, you know, get in it. You're like, well, we're going to see what God's already doing today and join him. Yeah, Yeah, that's true.
0: And what would be like... If we have, we do have, I think, some of the younger generation also listening in here. What would you like tell them, like, of your own learnings from worship and prayer life when you're like young? You know, we have this t- youth camp now, and it's it might be hard to know, like, oh, how do I do quiet time? How can I just, you know, they speak about hearing, you know, God's voice or taking a time with that. I mean, it's also older people we're all struggling with this sometimes. But what would be like your? <sighs> How do you get started? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: No, that's no good. Way. Can I just say, first off, I wish I would have started or known this stuff when I was eight, 12, 15. I didn't until I was 22, you know, to 24 really mm. get started. Mm. So you're never too young to start. I would say, um, like my six year old daughter, anytime I scratch myself or my son bunks his head or, you know, whatever it is, she'll say, should we pray for healing? and she's six. Right. And it's not because I'm so great at teaching her this. It's because that's the culture she's in. Like she's growing up in this and it's beautiful that she already believes that God heals at six and I love it. And so, but to get started, I think I'd start by saying like, it's not what you do. I think it's taking some of the old understanding of connection to God. Like even that word quiet time, it just feels like okay, get out your Bible and your journal and be bold, you know, like don't understand anything the scripture says. And, but instead I think being more creative than that, we don't not read the scripture because we don't understand it. We find tools to help us read the scripture to help us understand it so that we see how much life is in it. Because being raised in church my whole life, there wasn't a lot of life in it. It was very legalistic. Like you just read your Bible because that's what you do, you know? And there's tools like an author named Gordon Fee. He writes a book called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Mm. And then he writes another book called How to Read the Bible Book by Book. So breaking down. And there's at least a thousand million other tools, right? We don't have a lack of knowledge on how to make the Bible come alive. So start reading the Bible. And then in your churches, if there are prayer opportunities, just go for it. Again, Be interested
0: like... Like, be eager, yeah. be
1: eager. Yeah. ask questions like, hey, do we pray for people? Hey, why? Ask all the questions and watch leaders squirm that don't actually know how to answer them and then they'll <laughs> grow too, yeah. you know? And it's mostly laying down the need to be right. No, no personality type en- enjoys being wrong. No one likes to have to say I was wrong. My six-year-old hates it. My three-year-old is just starting to understand what that means. He's like, I wasn't wrong. I'm like, okay, you're going to be tough to parent, you know, but it's cause it's in us to not want to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that there's mystery in who God is. So the scripture has lots of different things going on and ways to be interpreted. That means that prayer, it means you're going to get it wrong and it's okay. People aren't devastated if you do, if you risk and pray a prophetic word. This is so much more about just enjoying God and experience his love and delight while you minister than it is about like, I've got to get this right. And so you practice praying in your bedroom out loud to yourself and then you practice praying with your best friend to get you know people that are trusted then you pray on a Sunday then you pray from a stage you know it you just grow in it and uh I mean you just got to start somewhere
0: yeah speaking about these stories that you share like about prayer and and how we could find tools to do that what have you seen God do in your life when it comes to prayer that have helped you to keep on doing this what are the things that have like to say where God has showed up. Yeah, totally. Totally.
1: Well, I want to say before I share these stories, if you hear this and you go, well, that sucks. I haven't (laughs) seen God do that in my life. I'm going to share some of the bigger ones, but I really do believe in the long, slow journey of just over time watching people change. But right away, you need those like faith boosters where it's like, oh my gosh, I couldn't ignore that God was with me. So for instance, in when we lived in Columbus, Ohio, there was a class on healing and I had never prayed for the sick. And I mean, I I wanted to believe God healed, but I've never seen him heal, you know, and I went to it because I was curious and still wondering, like, are these people a little cuckoo, you know? And so I went to it and I walked in the room and right away, I heard this whispery kind of voice, highlight a woman to me down the table from me. And he said, the Lord said, that woman has cancer and I'm going to heal her today. And I remember thinking, I have two options right now. Number one, I should run. Cause that's weird. Cause at the time I wasn't like, oh yeah, God, just tell me. It was more like, what the heck? And I know I heard that clearly, but I could engage it more deeply or I could run from it. And for whatever reason, I was glad, but I engaged it more deeply. So I was like, okay, Lord, we'll see. So I sat down and at the end of the teacher's teaching, she, the woman that that got it highlighted to me, she called her up front. She said, we actually have my friend, we'll call her Sally here today. And she has, cancer and we're going to pray for God to heal her. So immediately I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's exactly what I heard when I walked in the room. Right? Like (laughs) that's the Twilight Zone theme song, if you don't know. And so they laid hands on her, prayed for her. Now, can you test it in the moment? No, but I didn't even think anything of it. I'll be honest. Like you're like, you didn't think anything of it. No, like a month or two goes by and it was just like, that was really fun. Whatever. And in the middle of the service, the pastor there, Rich Nathan is his name. He, in the middle of the service said, you know, guys, I just want to stop my sermon and give like a report. We don't do this often in church, but, and he puts this picture of this woman up there. And I'm like, I think that woman looks familiar, but I can't remember why. One of those kind of moments. And she's like, he's like, this is such and such. And she's a member of our church. And this church is huge. It's like 9,000 people, right? Huge. And so he says, she's a part of our church and she had cancer and God's completely healed her of it. And I remember, I don't know how to describe to you other than like the good news of it being like, woo, but like knowing how God interacted with me and then me being on a journey of God, do you do this stuff? And then coupled with, so I can do this stuff, this, the like, what, you know, I just felt all this like, oh my gosh, I've got to do this the rest of my life, right? So that was really helpful. Wow. Yeah. That's, terrific. you know, and then personally I broke my arm trying to learn to snowboard, which is why I ski and I don't snowboard. I
0: do snowboard though.
1: So I fell, you know, broke my arm and I was bummed cause I couldn't play guitar. And so I basically was like, I don't know what to do. And a girl in our church was like, well, have you gotten it prayed for? And I was like, Oh, right. No, I don't think I have, <laughs> which is so annoying to say. She laid her hand on my cast. And all I can tell you is it felt like, Bird's wings like flapping in it. I mean, literally, it just felt like my arm was going nuts. And I knew something had changed because I couldn't move my thumb. And then after she prayed, I could wiggle it in there and it didn't. And I was like, I think I'm healed. And she said, Did you feel that? And I was like, Yes. I said, Did you? And she was like, Yes. And I said, I'm going to go back to the doctor. And so she's like, How many weeks has it been? I'm like, Two. And I said, I'm supposed to wear this cast for eight. And so I went. They put the film up and the doctor literally comes in the room and puts the film in. He said, what have you been eating? And I'm like, oh, why? And he goes, you see that bright white line right there? That's all new bone that's already grown in. Like your fracture's completely healed. What have you been eating? And I was like, whoa, my friend prayed for, you know, the sheep is like, my friend prayed for me and God healed me. Yeah, <laughs> And he was like, uh, okay. And then at the end of the appointment, he goes, are you serious? Is that really what happened? I'm like, yes. I said, dude, you can eat salad all day and it doesn't grow bone back, you know? And so he was like, huh, that's really interesting to me. Mm. So, you know, yeah. some things like that. Super
0: cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, th- those things are really those moments that you can go back to. And it's really, yeah, important to have them in some way. And as you say, it's mostly th- the many small things. But having these maybe more profound things that you can come back to. S- Thank you so much. Um, we also like to speak a little bit more about the worship and musical worship. Like we also touched on this before our talk. Like you, you spoke about this, like the noise of worship and how it keeps like worship leaders being inspired week to week and to like just to dream and stuff like that. How, can you share a little bit about mm. that?
1: Yeah. I mean, this may be for a little more niche audience, right? What I'm about to say, but sometimes I find myself in worship leading wishing that I started leading worship way earlier, like even before I was born when worship wasn't a career and it wasn't like a YouTube sensation and an Instagram account. And you know, it's like you're as much of a celebrity as celebrities are. And again, I don't want to judge anyone that's famous for worship. I mean, how blessed have you ever been by Matt Redmond or Brooke yeah, yeah. Wood, or they're awesome, right? They're also awesome that everyone wants to hear them. But that noise of like what it's always supposed to sound like, the pressure for your Sunday service to sound like the YouTube worship that I listen to in my headphones while I'm worship working out, you know, the excellence of it, the even the fog and the lights that they use to make those videos look amazing there's nothing wrong with that. I've been in vineyard worship videos where they had to have a little fog in the room to make the lights work, right? Like some of that is the beautiful technical skills of lighting and mist and all that. But for the actual like day to day, the Sunday to Sunday worship leader, it's a lot of noise. It's a lot of voices telling you to sound like that person and you should do this big song. Why would you do your own song? Your song is small and no one's going to know it. And it's such a it's a dance because you, you are there to serve the people and bring them to God's presence, but you're also an artist that has a voice, that has a unique expression, and it can just be very noisy, even just trying to practically like put a set list together or believe that you can write a song that your church would engage with or even trust that you have a sound. Like It would be awesome to sound just like, fill in your favorite singer's name. But the reality is, is that's not your DNA. And even though you can throw your voice and sound similar to a person that you really respect, should you, or should you just the voice that comes out of you naturally again, when no one's listening to you, maybe that's your sound and it can just really like stifle creativity to feel like you turn into a cover artist or a jukebox on a Sunday. It's like, Hey, I just need you to sing the hits and make everyone cheer and be happy versus you're shepherding a people and they need to sing lament today in light of what's happening in Ukraine, or they need to rejoice and sing the big song, you know, what a beautiful name it is. And because it fits it's, but that's a past there's a very different pastoral view of what you're doing. And it can be overwhelming when it's become such a like hot commodity, like an actual career. Like now you can go to college and get a worship degree. That hasn't always uh, how, been the how case. Do you, how do
0: you manage uh, through that? And like when you teach other like worship leaders, what are your like key, key things in yeah. that?
1: I mean, usually I'm encouraging them right away. It sounds funny. Cause I don't know that everybody's supposed to write songs. Like that's probably not fair to say everyone should write a song. You know, it feels like pressure, but I do try to pull that out of them as quickly as possible. Just like, Hey, what, when you're spending time with God, what verses is he showing you? Okay. Why don't you put some music to it and see if you see if you can sing the verse. And then it's like, oh, I didn't have to write the lyrics to go with it. No, you didn't. And then, hey, who are your favorite worship leaders? Oh, cool. I can tell you kind of sound like them. That's great. And then I just encourage them to, hey, make sure you're singing in your car and seeing what your voice can do and really listening to yourself. And this sounds really bad, but sometimes I make them record themselves and then listen back so that they're more realistic about how pitch accurate they are and grow that way. And then also... I'll sit with them and listen and say, do you hear how your voice did that? That's so beautiful. Like you just start to be their biggest champion. You start to be their biggest cheerleader. Like this is the most beautiful thing I see happening in you, you know? And then you also tell them like, first and foremost, you are serving the people of God. And if you're not speaking to God about what do the people need to sing? And if you're not speaking to God about... What you bring and let him tell you who you are and tell him you're, you know, like I love mixing prophetic ministry and worship leading, but I don't think every worship leader has to do that in order to be a worship leader. Yeah, to but
0: really find your own spot. There,
1: yes. Yeah. Yes. And see what gifts fire when you're leading worship and notice how God speaks to you and then have the courage to speak it out. And then if I'm honest with you, John, it feels like the biggest gift I have is the leaders around me. So there's the permission from my senior pastor, the permission from all these worship leaders that have helped raise me up. There's just been immense trust for them to say, Annabeth, I believe in you. Try it. It's okay. You may not get it perfect this time, or you're never going to get it perfect. Right. You know." And, and the mentoring part's a big deal, having people that give you full permission to try.
0: Yeah. I think that's so important to have this space to grow Yes. I mean having people and places that actually gives you this space to grow. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing today, I mean around these things. So so good. <laughs> so good hearing and it's so good. so encouraging as well. And mm. to end this conversation today, what do you hope and wish would challenge people from our talk today or from some of the things that's on your heart that you shared mm. today? What would you hope would challenge them in the times ahead?
1: I think generally I'd like to say if you can't hear that God can use anybody. There's just nothing that really disqualifies you. We like to say that just think about Paul and when he was Saul and but sometimes those men in the Bible can feel like superheroes, you know, and like they're so far away from us. And so you're never disqualified no matter what has happened to you, uh, no matter how late you were to the game, you know, God can use anybody. It's I want you to hear like how much generosity God's had for me throughout my life and challenge you that it's not too late. Like if you dream about playing guitar and you're 50 pick up the guitar and get the calluses, you know? And if you've never seen someone healed, pray for more people that are sick. And even if you're like, but you don't know what I did on Thursday. No, I don't. But do you love Jesus? And do you believe that there's power in his name? And do you have the courage to put your hand on a shoulder and say, come Holy Spirit in Jesus name, heal this person. Like it can be done. So try it, try it. Oh, and then try it again, because it doesn't always happen the first time. And then more specific to worship leaders, I would just like to encourage them to really uh, think about themselves, no matter if they hold the title pastor or not, you really are shepherding or pastoring people when you're leading them in musical worship. So think about yourself a little that way and then ask the Lord to give you eyes to see his sheep and the songs they should be singing and the places he wants to take them and steward the pastoral side of worship as much as the musical side, as much as letting the songs do the work Just be a little more courageous and believing that God would want to use you to facilitate His kingdom coming as you lead worship.
0: Oh, that's so good! Thank you so much. And if you were to write something on a billboard for the whole world to see, what would that be?
1: This is so corny. It'd probably be like the VBS answer, but I just I would literally it would just say, "Jesus loves you so much; He really does." Yeah.
0: Thank you so much to come here and join us, and hope you'll have a good rest of the week. And I mean, life in the future and continue to grow and yeah so on thank you so much
1: thank you for having me
0: thank you for listening to today's episode if you want to follow the Vineyard Nordic movement and everything that is happening you can go to Facebook and Instagram and follow us under Vineyard Nordic you can also help us by subscribing to this podcast on the different podcast platforms when doing that you will also get an update every time we have a new episode out So again, thank you and see you again next time. Bye-bye.